I think in reality that prayer is one of the hardest to pray, isn't it? Thy will be done. That no matter what is going on in life, that we might be able to have, if you like, um, a foundation, an underpinning, a security which says that no matter what is happening around us, no matter the events that are going on in life, uh, thy will be done. Your will be done in my life, even though at this point in time, (laughs) it doesn't really feel as if what is going on should be your will. In fact, very often that is one of our great conflicts, isn't it? Coming to terms with that. In a lot of ways, the book of Philippians just speaks directly into that situation because it brings a contrast. Uh, The speaker, the writer, uh, to the uh, recipients of the letter. Uh, The writer is in a prison, potentially facing death. The readers are living in a relatively cosmopolitan city, and yet they are beginning to feel the effects of what it really means to put their trust and to express faith in Jesus. In fact, over the subsequent years, what was unleashed on those communities of believers in the Roman Empire was uh, perhaps one of the most horrific times in the history of the church where huge numbers of people lost their lives in the most appalling way Uh, where possessions were stripped from believers, uh, where relationships were torn apart as as families were were taken in separate directions. Uh, It was just a terrible time. And Paul is writing where he is already experiencing that. And he's writing to people who are going to experience that. And so it really helps us, I think, to be able to come to, to this particular section this afternoon and just keep that in mind and say, uh, this isn't some sort of airy-fairy, nice-as-it-can-be kind of message. This was given in the reality of life, in, in the reality which at this point in time we don't know, but who knows what the future might bring. Uh, but I would say uh, it is almost guaranteed the case that there will be those here this afternoon who will be feeling that the experience of being a Christian right at this point in time is just awful. Uh, And and therefore, uh, these verses of chapter 3 from verse 12 through to verse 16 are incredibly important for us. If we can just get that on the screen and have a look at what it says, let's read it together. I'll just... We read from verse 12 uh, through to the end of the chapter. I'll give you a heads up now. Uh, We're not going through to the end of the chapter. Uh, Apparently, a couple of weeks ago, we read a a, a relatively uh, longer section, and I planned just to do the first few verses, but didn't tell anybody. (laughs) So by about, you know, three quarters of the way through the sermon, and people are thinking... We're only up to verse 2 and we read 27 verses. What's going on? Uh, We're only going to be doing the first section this afternoon, so don't worry um, if it looks like we're not covering as much as you thought. So we're going to have a look from verse 12 through to verse 16. Not that I've already obtained this, but 
uh, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So that's what we're going to be covering. Paul uses a description here which he uses in two other places. In uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Timothy, he uses a similar kind of picture. He uses the picture of an athlete pressing on towards the, towards the goal in front of him. There was a fantastic uh, documentary that was on TV during this past week. Uh, some of you may have seen it. It's on Discovery Channel. James Cracknell, um, who was uh, an Olympian rower and has then done all sorts of extreme uh, events. And uh, he, in fact, just in, it's on this week. He's recently, uh, during this, I think it was the back end of last year, maybe the early part of this year. He was in a, a cycle ride across America. He, in fact, he was running, riding, and swimming across America um, and middle of the night as he was cycling along um, one of the highways. He was hit from behind. Uh, w- wing mirror of, um, of a truck just clipped him on the back of the helmet and um, he, he ended up with brain damage. So the, the documentary this week takes quite a major shift as it, it deals with the whole issue of coming to terms with a massive injury like this. The one this past week, it, just, it was just made for this, this talk, really. He took part in uh, the Marathon des Sables, which is a 156-mile marathon, 156-mile uh, marathon, Uh, Most marathons are 26 miles and a little bit, so 156 miles over six days, which sounds pretty pretty awful, really, to me. Um, Add to that, the marathon takes place in uh, the Saharan Desert. Uh, They are limited to the water that they can uh, take in uh, each day. Uh, They have to carry their own food. And uh, watching James Cracknell go through this and absolutely just committing body and mind uh, with every fibre of his being to get through this, he was aiming in a thousand runners, he was aiming uh, to be um, in the top 50, which is just an incredible achievement, isn't it? He actually ended up in 17th place. Uh, he, he, he literally nearly died at the end of one of the stages. Um, he, 80 kilometers, uh, an 80 kilometer run, and his body temperature just touched uh, 40, which is the critical time where your body starts to break down. He got to the end of the line, and, and his, his body was doing all sorts of things. He was, he was hallucinating. He's, he was dehydrated. They took him into the tent, and uh, they, 
they cared for him medically. He refused to have an intravenous drip because the next day, if he'd had an intravenous drip, he wouldn't have been able to start the next day because having an intravenous drip is against the law uh, or against the rules to be able to continue in the competition. And he's kind of hallucinating saying no drip. <laughs> and it was just this absolute, 100% single-minded determination, I am going to finish this race. Look what Paul says. He says, brothers, I, verse 13, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal. He's saying to these uh, Christian believers in Philippi, he's saying this, the Christian faith is that serious. It is that serious that you need to have a similar kind of mindset, spiritually speaking, to the kind of mindset that Cracknell exhibits to get his body over a finishing line. He's saying you need to be single-minded, determined, nothing is going to stop me from heading towards that prize. That's where I'm heading. And, and everything else in life is secondary compared to achieving that. It's compared to securing that. That is an incredible thing, isn't it? Just puts into perspective the kind of mindset that that, that might bring. Now, as soon as we hear that, the two things. Um, those of you who are into doing a bit of fitness... How do you feel about the idea of comparing yourself with James Cracknell? <laughs> Pretty rubbish, really, actually. It's quite demotivating, isn't it? To think of somebody who is willing to absolutely drive themselves like that, and then you're thinking to yourself, and I've got to run twice around Ponty Park, and I'm convinced that by one and a half times around, I am going to be puking up at the bottom of the course. It's quite demotivating, isn't it? And I think it can be equally demotivating to say you need to be spiritually switched on to that extent. Uh, and, and to hear that, just the same as it can be demotivating to say you need to be physically driving yourself like an Olympian when actually, you know, we're, we're trying to manage enough energy to run for the bus. One of the great things is, I think, the apostle understands that because look what he actually says. Look at what he says in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, what is it that he's not already obtained? Well, the previous uh, few verses, he's been, we we're looking at it last week, he's been saying, look, what does it mean to strive and drive on forwards? It's knowing Jesus. Deeper, deeper, deeper. Knowing Jesus. I want to know him. For me, that is everything. And then he says, now, it's not as though I've already obtained this. And I just think, whew, thank you. 
Because he's putting himself in that sentence, isn't he? He's not saying, look, all of you back there who are really slow, come on up here. He's saying, come on guys, we're shoulder to shoulder. We're alongside each other in this. We're heading in that direction. You coming with me? Uh, Come on, keep running. I've not obtained it either. I'm not there. I've not achieved what I know there is to achieve in Christ. We're still heading on. We're still aiming out there. We're still pressing forward. We must keep pressing on. But he doesn't say it in terms of, come on, slow coaches. He says it in terms of, come on, shoulder to shoulder, arm around each other. I'm pressing on as well. Are you with me? Let's keep going. I want to suggest, I want to encourage, I want to implore you who are talking to friends, who are sharing your Christian experience. It can be debilitating and discouraging when the impression is given, look how further forward down the line I am and look where you are. Aren't you slow? I want to encourage you. Look at the way the apostle does it. He he puts himself with his reader. He doesn't set himself apart. He says, look, we're both heading in this direction, aren't we? I want you to to, to run uh, alongside me. I want us both to be pressing on. Now, the readers would be listening to this and saying, but you know what, Paul? I know that you're miles down the line. I know that you're miles down the line, but it's encouraging for me, for you to be saying I'm with you. Why is it, therefore, why is it that he says we're, we're just all pressing on? Why is it that he's saying, look, Knowing Jesus is everything. It is the most incredible thing. There is nothing in this world like knowing Jesus. Why is it that he's able to say, I'm just, I've not achieved it either. When you look at the way he writes, when you look at his spiritual experience, why is it that you're looking and saying, but Paul, you do understand it. I mean, after all, look at all the letters that you write. Look at the way that God has dealt with you to be the proclaimer of the gospel to the Gentiles across the Roman world. Look at the number of churches that you've established. Why is it that he's saying, I've still not got there? Quite simply, because he's still here. Look at the way he phrases it. I'm pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. You know, there is coming a time when I'll really know him. (laughs) My mind is set on that. And in a sense, we're all just getting there at this stage, aren't we? We're just all moving along. And compared to that moment, When all of a sudden, in in a breath, we're going to be transformed to be just like Jesus. We're going to become perfected in our being. The Bible says that we are going to be glorified. The difference between now and then is so huge that we can all say, 
no matter where we are on that journey, I'm still just beginning to scratch the surface. I haven't attained this. There is so much more to know. There's so much more to know. And you might, you might look at other people in the church and you might think to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm a young Christian. And look at them. Number one, be thankful for them if they're encouraging you. Don't be discouraged by them. Be thankful for them. Because there's an example of somebody who's kept on running. Uh, but secondly, understand this. That the experience that they're able to encourage you with is tiny compared to what it will be like when you see Jesus. It's tiny. So in a sense, we're all in it together. It's a great leveler. Understanding that in, in comparison to really knowing Jesus, all of us are at first base. We are all at first base. Whether we've been walking this walk for 50 years or whether it was just last week when you said, that's my commitment for life now. That's where I want to be. It doesn't matter. Comparatively speaking, we're all just on the journey. And Paul wants us to be encouraged to say, look, no matter where you are, just keep pressing on. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Uh, why is it that he's so confident? How is it that he has this, this confidence? Well, is it because he's known God's hand upon him? Well, yes, I'm sure he has. But remember where he is. Isn't it easy to uh, have a great deal of confidence, or we think it is, it's easy to have a great deal of confidence when everything's going well, when things are positive. What about when a missionary journey is stopped because you're arrested? What about the hopes for planting another church further down the line is stopped and you're taken into custody and you find yourself now in a Roman jail and you're about, you think, to have your head removed from your shoulders. There's the reality for Paul at this point in time and yet in that he is able to say, I'm pressing on. Why? Because he's pressing on to a confidence in a risen Jesus. That's his vision. That's where his mind is. I am not shaped by immediately what's going on in my life right at this point in time. Because if I was shaped by what's immediately going on in my life at this point in time, I, I would be falling apart. But I have got a bigger vision. I've got a bigger view of what the reality of life is all about. I can see, uh, I have a deep conviction that because Jesus Christ has died and risen again, and I have a confidence that some point in the future, the whole of the world is going to see him again when he returns in risen glory. There's my two points in history. And I'm confident of that. I'm confident that there is going to be an upward call. What's that upward call all about? There's a bit of debate about this. 
Certainly there's an upward call when we finally receive that point of being elevated to the presence of God. But at the same time, he's playing a game on the words of a race, isn't he? That's what this is about. The, the, the town city officials would congratulate the winner at the end of the race. And they would be called up to receive the accolade as they called from the, from the finishing line up to the, to the um, maybe even the emperor's precious seat. And they would be displayed before the crowds. And he's looking forward to that upward call being elevated by the emperor. No, he's likely to take his life. What's he looking forward in terms of an upward call? No less than the upward call of the Son of God. No less than that. There's his confidence. I believe that there is going to be an acclamation of all of those, he says, who have loved and trusted and run the race and Jesus is going to raise them up and that there is going to be applause and, uh, and rejoicing for those who've run the race. That's my view. James Cracknell absolutely destroyed his body for the brief accolade of men. Brief. So he hit 17th place. I want to ask you, how many names do you know of those who received the applause of Caesar? I don't know anybody. I don't know any names. I could probably Google it and find out a name, but it would be pretty meaningless. I don't know, although I probably should, who ran the first marathon. You know, the names are past. The brief accolade of man is so transient. But the accolade, the upward call of God, in the mind of the writer here, he says, look, look to that. And it puts everything into perspective here, doesn't it? It puts ever. We're all in this together. I don't know him the way I ought to know him, but I'm looking forward to a day when he's going to say, right, come on up. You've made it. You've finished the race. You've succeeded. You've triumphed. And it was me that caused you to get there. And he's going to raise us up. And we're going to be, uh, we're going to be praising him. Because suddenly we realize that every step of the way, it's him who's got us there. I said, wow. Life it was so brief, but now it's worth it. Everything, it's worth it. Those moments of pain that seem to last for eternity are a moment now because now I know what eternity is really like. It was worth it. I want to ask, here we are today, 21st century. We're not facing the kind of persecution uh, that these uh, hearers and the writer were experiencing. What stops us 
from having that kind of mindset? What, what stops us from just living our life day to day, looking forward and thinking, that's what it's all about. It's all about that. You know, day to day stuff, yeah, we've got to work it through. But if I live in the light of that, it will put everything into context. I think Paul says what holds us back. He says in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider what, that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. What lies behind is one of the biggest things that stops us from running forward, isn't it? It can stop us from running forward in two ways. It can stop us from running forward, as Paul says, because we have confidence in it, firstly. He says, you know what? There was a time when I had absolute confidence in the way that I lived. I did everything right. All the way I behaved, I kept all the rules, I did all the things I should do. I had absolute confidence that, that looking back in my life, I'd done everything. There was a king in the Old Testament, his name was David. He'd been a faithful king. He'd been a faithful man. He'd been a great king. He'd done all sorts of things for God's people, quite remarkable. You know, it was him who rescued God's people by killing a giant. Uh, and he was just moving forward positively. The nation had been growing, it had been moving forward, and then, like that. He takes a look out from his balcony... And in a moment, he ends up on a journey that makes him a wife-stealer and murderer. What's all that stuff behind at that point? Do not think that you have it in you to carry on living good enough in a way that God is going to accept you. Even if you look back and you say, it's all gone pretty well there. One of the things that Paul understood was this. Compared to Jesus, it's nothing. It's empty. James Cracknell, the great Olympian. You know, I mean, incredible the way he performs. And in his training, they put him next to this little guy. Uh, his name is... Um, What's his name? Mohammed Ahansal. You heard of him? He's five foot eight, nine and a half stone, and he's, he's in this room on a treadmill next to James Cracknell. James Cracknell, you know, world-renowned, um, Olympian, gold medals, the lot, and they're on this treadmill, and they're running. You know, full-on test, body temperature being assessed, uh, breathing being assessed, all of that kind of thing. Then they turn the lights on. Let's take it up to 40 degrees, shall we? And you just keep on running. And they're running away and they're, you know, suddenly Cracknell just cracks. That was a bit of a pun, sorry. Uh, he just, he just, he's gone. He, he's just finished. And this little guy's just alongside, so keeping going. It's just nothing. You know, 40 degrees. Well, it's... Normal spring day, really, for us. He lives in, he lives in Morocco. 
And uh, his body doesn't generate the kind of heat because he's so light. You know, there is a great leveler, isn't there? Cracknell might have thought he was a great athlete until you put him alongside this geezer. uh, And then he realizes he ain't made for running. Put us up alongside Jesus. Against the perfection of him. And of all of our goodness, all of our righteousness, all of the things that we think are good, they just pale to nothing. Put us alongside Jesus and we become nothing. Jesus is the great leveler of all men. (laughs) The most righteous, the most good, the most perfect. All of a sudden, look, we all look the same. Because the gap is so huge. So we can never think by looking back that we have confidence in what we've done. But secondly, can't what looking back hold us back because there's some bad stuff there? Look back. And this writer can say exactly that. I look back, he says, it was my feet where they put the coats when they stoned Stephen for saying he believed in Jesus. I was the one who authorised it. I can look back, the apostle says, in two ways. I can look back and say, looking back, I relied on all of my good stuff. But also, I could be held back if I looked back and saw all the bad stuff as well. There was some some shocking stuff back there. Imprisoning people, torturing people, killing people. That's what's back there for me. And I don't look back. Because if I look back on either of those two or both of those, they're going to hold me back. I just look forward. I just look forward. What's gone on in your life? That when you look back, you feel as if I can't move forward. It's just this weight this anchor that is stopping me from progressing. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with the stuff back there that stops you from moving forward? Well, paradoxically, by looking back just a bit further, about 2,000 years actually, keep looking back. Because set back there is Jesus hanging on a cross. And that's what Paul has in his mind. If I look back just a few years and rely on my life, I'm a goner. But if I look way back to a life that was lived in perfection, to a life that was sacrificed on my behalf, to a life that was successful ultimately because it triumphed over death, there's my marker, I can look back there and have confidence. Because actually, if I look that back that little bit further to the cross, I know that the stuff in between that I've done is dealt with. And if it's dealt with looking back, I can look forward as well and know that the stuff looking forward is going to be dealt with as well. I don't know whether you saw Helen Skelton, uh, Blue Peter presenter, uh, for Comic Relief this year. She did a tightrope walk. Uh, Battersea Power Station 
For those of you who are Pink Floyd fans, it appears on one of the album covers, those iconic four chimneys down in London. A cable stretched between two of those chimneys. And she does a, a tightrope walk from one chimney to the other of Battersea Power Station, uh, which I thought was just absolutely outstanding, incredible. She just kept looking forward. She kept looking forward. Because way forward there is the security of the cable tied to the other end. That's my destination. But if I look back, I've got a confidence as well. Because the cable isn't flapping around in the breeze. It's attached to the other chimney. And that's just like Jesus. Way back there, the cable is attached to the cross. Way in front there, the cable is attached to the assurance of his return in resurrected power and glory. And I'm walking on the tightrope in between. But you know what? I'm going to keep on pressing on, not because of me, but because that's what's in front, that's what's behind, and after all, there's, there's this safety harness that's holding on to me. That means that if I slip off, I'm not falling 500 foot to splat on the floor at the bottom. I'll get my feet back on the rope because he will hold on to me and I can keep on walking. That is what Paul is saying here. How are you living your life? How are you carrying on moving forward? If you look back at your own life, you're, you're done in. But if you look back at my life and say, look where I've been. For your sake. You've got absolute confidence. He has dealt with it. The Bible describes God. In the Old Testament as I am. It's just. How do you describe God? I, I am the great I, I am. I always have been. I always will be. I, I am. I'm eternal. Not like you. Or me. He says, I'm eternal. I am the great I am. And Jesus says, in exactly the same way, look back to the cross, look forward to eternity. When you will see me again, I am, he says. And my faith, and my trust, and my moving forward is rooted, the writer says, in those two events. I look forward to that. It means that the slippery days that I go through now are secured by that future. I can get through them. My feet might slip off. I might feel the safety net tug. I might find myself flapping around a little bit. I might need to get my feet back on the rope. But I will keep on going, he says. I will keep on going. Because it's about that. It's about eternity. It's about the future. It puts life now into perspective. And I would suggest to you, how are you living life now? Because if it is all about the events of now, we are done in. Because the events now can be really troublesome. And the reality is that looking forward... They are only going to get worse. They are. 
even if life gets better, there's a final point at which it gets horrendously worse. And yet Jesus says, no, no, I've risen so that by trusting in me, you too might have that confidence of life for eternity, secured in me. Keep moving forward. Keep pressing on.